Hey, Hopefuls, you're listening to Babes with Hope with your hosts, Jessa, Tash, and Rachel. I'm Jessa. I'm a Potter nerd, history buff, and loving dog mom, and I'm an expert at helping you connect to your intuition and authentic self. And I'm Tash, a fun-loving, adventure-seeking world traveler, and my expertise is in organizational goal-setting. And I'm Rachel. I'm a figure skating, gym-loving Disney nerd, and I'm an expert at helping you uncover your innermost thoughts and emotions so you can discover your inner champion. And together, we're Babes with Hope. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Babes with Hope. We are so excited for our second episode of the kind of like get to know the coaches little beginning series that we're doing here. Hi, ladies. Hi. Good morning. So on today's episode, like I said, we're going to continue with the Get to Know the Coaches series, and we're going to talk about the different advice that we have for women our age. Um, And we're also going to talk about times when the three of us individually have felt hopeless and what we did to kind of regain our hope and keep going, um, which I'm kind of really excited about because that's the basis of most of what we do. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rach, do you want to kick us off? Yeah. There? Yeah. Um, okay. So, a time in my life when I have felt hopeless. This was a long stretch of time for me. Um, it started in high school, actually. I started to go through kind of a depression and I didn't even really know what depression was or um, really have any grasp on that it existed, that this was something that was out there in the world. And so when I started to sink into this depression, I just thought this is just a me problem and I am hopeless and I don't have anyone to talk to and no one will understand what I'm going through. I felt very isolated and alone. And basically what, how I got to this place was when I was in high school, I had never experienced death before. And my family went through a series of deaths. Like my grandmother died, my grandpa died. Um, I had an aunt who was only in her forties die. And it was very traumatic for my family that we lost all of these people so next to each other so quickly. And then my great uncle died. So my family went through a great amount of loss and a great amount of grief really quickly. And for that to be my first experience of ever losing somebody and for it to be compounded now into four very close family members, at that young age, I didn't know how to grapple with that. Um, while I was trying to process death and process what that meant and where did these people go and what did that mean at that same time in my life, um, my mom was very, very ill and we didn't know what was wrong with her. She wasn't diagnosed at this time. It was just, she was in a lot of chronic pain. She would, um, she just had trouble getting around and that was very scary for me to be like, I'm losing kind of my best friend that would like hang out with me on the weekends and we'd go shopping together and we had this great mother daughter relationship. And now all of a sudden there was something really wrong with her and we didn't understand it. We couldn't figure it out. Um, On top of that, my aunt who had passed away, her daughter was my exact same age. We were best friends from the time we were probably, I don't know, born. we, We were born at the same time. We're only one month apart. Best friend my whole entire life. When her mother died, she started to spiral at this young age of 16 and was really, she, she never had a father figure. And so her mom was everything. And when her mom died, she started to spiral out of control. She started hanging out with the wrong crowd, um, was looking for love in all of the wrong places, started to get into the drug scene, started to get into the gang scene. Um, and I, felt this great responsibility to save her, but I didn't know how. And so with all of that going on in my life, and then also just the regular stressors that every high schooler has to go with, go through, right? Of like not really knowing who I was, not really knowing my place at school. 
having a boyfriend for the first time, trying to navigate that relationship, I just felt completely alone and very, very hopeless. And that kind of depression, because it it went unnoticed and it went untreated for a very long time. Um, I was depressed for years before I realized that there was something wrong that could be treated. I just didn't think it could be treated. I didn't know how to handle it. So my parents got me into therapy. They realized, thank God, my parents were very aware that I was not normal. (laughs) Like I would, I would just want to sleep all day. I would get to school. My grades started to drop. I just, I would start skipping classes and they're like, something's not right. So they got me into therapy and thank goodness, because I feel like that really took me on this journey to get me to where I am now, where I'm obsessed with the brain and brain neurology and helping people who felt hopeless. But that was a time in my life where I felt completely, completely hopeless. Um, I think the thing that really turned it around for me was having that person to talk to having that therapist to talk to and realizing that I wasn't alone, that the things that I was was dealing with was like a lot of human experiences that other people have to deal with. And you're not alone in that. When somebody dies and you're, you're not sure what to do with all of that grief, like where do you put all of this pain that's inside your body? What do you do with that? Um, When a family member gets sick, what do you do with that? When, somebody that love starts making the wrong choices in life. What do you do with that? And to be able to talk about that with somebody who really truly cared about me, I felt seen and heard and loved by this other person, by this therapist. I finally felt understood and I finally felt safe, safe to talk about the fact that I was not okay. And that that was normal, that that was, it wasn't complete. She wasn't scared of anything that I told her. She didn't, overreact or, or she, she just had this very safe presence and made me feel like everything was going to be okay. And that I was going to come out of this. And that's when I truly believed for the first time that I'm going to be okay. And I just one day at a time, just one foot in front of the other, I had to realize what was my pain to carry and what was not my pain to carry. And it was not, even though I was very sad that my aunt died, my cousin was on her own journey and I could not carry her luggage for her. I could not save her. I could not run the race for her. I had to kind of let her go and I had to find my own boundary line and be like, this is the luggage that I have to carry that's inside my energy bubble. And I can send her love and light. I can send her prayer. I can do everything in my power to be there for her when she calls, but I can't chase her down and and run this race for her. So that was the really learning for the first time boundaries within myself and boundaries for others. And this work that we do in the brain neurology and helping people get healing um, psychologically. And I loved it. And now I'm obsessed with this work, obviously. Obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. You've had like such a, like over the last 10 to 15 years, so much growth from like this one thing that happened, like four of your family members passing away in this compounded amount of time. Like that's hard for anyone to deal with, let alone a 16 year old experiencing death for the first time ever. And like now, just seeing where you're at now, like what would you give somebody who's, you know, 15 to 20 years old that is looking for advice and knowing that you've had those 15 years to grow and experience, what would you tell them? Absolutely. I saw this article I, and it broke my heart because somebody somewhere is talking about euthanization for the depressed. And when I saw that, yes. And when I saw that, I, I, my heart broke because I'm like, depression is not the end. It is a journey. There is a finish line. And once you get through it, you are completely transformed. It's almost like that depression or it doesn't have to be on that label, you guys. It could be anything that you're going through in life. That season in life is there 
for a reason. It is your cocoon. It is the place where you are um, fashioned and molded. And when you can come out of that, you come out of it completely transformed. I now at this time in my life, I feel unbreakable. I really do. I feel like you, I could go through anything and that's not a challenge universe. That's not a challenge. <laughs> I really do feel like I could go through anything at this point in my life. And I know without a shadow of a doubt, I will come out. Okay. Because I have gone through it all and I am stronger than steel. Um, and so my advice for people who they're going through a really tough season, whether it's labeled depression and anxiety, or whether it's just a, a tough season in your life, know that this is a journey you're walking one day at a time, one step at a time, you will come to a place where you feel better. And it's almost, it, it does feel like a physical, I, I can't describe it. It's like the clouds lift and suddenly they're not there anymore. And you can see clearly and you feel this radiant hope for the very first time. It feels like the very first time because when you're in that season of trial, it feels never ending. Um, and so my advice is hang on tight, open up to people, like find a safe person that you can talk to about what you're going through, have that person that you can go to when you are feeling down and hang on tight because it will come to an end if you can walk the walk. Totally. I think that's so important. Yeah. I think it's so important. And like, just what you were saying, it's such a journey and when you are in the thick of it it feels like that moment is never ending and you can't see the other side of it at all and it's so I've also like battled depression anxiety and it's so being on the other side now of kind of like some really big seasons of that it it makes me so sad for anybody that felt like they couldn't hold on any longer, you know, like I just, I really, my heart goes out to them. I feel for them so much. And I understand that like, yeah, if there's anything that we could continue to convey to people is that hope is the thing that gets you through, right? It's the thing that gets you onto the other side to help you continue on with your life and get you through those seasons. Yeah. And I totally love your analogy of like that season being a cocoon because once you're out of that season, like who goes into a cocoon? The caterpillar. What mm -hmm. comes out of the other side? A freaking radiant butterfly. Like a beautiful so, butterfly. A beautiful butterfly. <laughs> <laughs> and that's like just totally the best like metaphor to have because yeah, like when you are in that season, it does feel like dark and you're like wrapped in this little cocoon but it's actually nurturing you to blossom into something beautiful and that is just like a, a beautiful piece of advice Rachel. absolutely and I do think like when I think of being in a cocoon it's like oh my gosh trapped are the words that come to mind like trapped can't breathe alone dark scary um and yet that is the process and we don't understand it when we're in it. It's like, mm -hmm. I don't see the, I don't see the glory in this. I do not mm -hmm. see, it just feels like a lump of coal in my life and it's ugly and it's heavy and it's black and there's all this pressure, right? Pressure, pressure, pressure. And then there's so much pressure that eventually that coal turns into a diamond and you're like, oh my gosh, how did this happen? I'm I'm so thankful. And as soon as you can get to that place of thankfulness and gratitude, that's when you can spread your wings and fly. Boom. I'm a diamond. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Diamond. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, yeah. Yeah. But what about you, Natasha? What's a, like a place in your life where you felt hopeless? So I feel like I've kind of been in this season for like the last, for now it's September. So um, I have been in this season for like nine months now. And it is just feeling like 
one thing on top of the next and it all really started when at Christmas time last year Salton's dad got the news that he was not really gonna be with us much longer and we made kind of a really quick decision that he would go back home to Saudi Arabia to try to be with his family and unfortunately his dad passed away like while he was in transit over there so that's kind of really when this like all hopeless kind of feeling started because here I am in Canada like sitting at home with my dogs and my fiance who we're supposed to be getting married we just postponed our wedding that was supposed to be at the end of January because of his dad's health condition we postponed the wedding to March and we're like okay so there's a piece of like what do I do I just feel like so hopeless like I just had to postpone my wedding um, my fiance's dad passed away he is now in another country I'm like sitting here by myself like just like all this kind of feeling of being alone and like not knowing what to do and just like feeling super super hopeless like with the uncertainty of everything and this kind of so this was like the stemming of everything and then as we all know good old 2020 uh hit us with a, a few doozies <laughs> and so sultan was scheduled to come home middle of march and lo and behold march gives us a good old global pandemic and the world shuts down and sultan is stuck in another country because all flights no transit whatsoever out and we're like okay we're supposed to be getting married at the end of this month like uh what are we gonna do you're stuck in another country like we don't know when you're gonna be coming home so this was like so much like of the season of like i just don't know what to do i'm feeling really hopeless like and this is also at a time when these beautiful ladies rachel and jessa uh started coming into my life a little bit more and more like so we actually um knew each other and were working together before all this season started and then with them we have been kind of growing our community and what we have to offer and just growing this kind of mindset of um yeah, just having this growth mindset around uh, having hope. And this kind of really was the thing that like helped me get through the days. Like some days I wanted to just lay in bed all freaking day long because I'm like, what am I gonna do? Like I, my fiance is overseas. I have the global pandemic has literally stopped like all things life related like i can't even all things life related <laughs> uh like i can't see my family i can't see my friends like oh it just felt like so overwhelming and the feelings like of uncertainty and hopelessness and all this like just kept every incident kind of just kept adding on to this feeling of like not not knowing and having that just like oh dang like what's gonna happen next <laughs> kind of feeling and I really think that it's kind of like what Rachel said is like having that space to or <laughs> having that space with somebody a community to hold that space for you in that um safe kind of way is like really what i needed and i'm so thankful that i had that in rays of hope because like i came to calls crying because i just like didn't know like i literally felt so hopeless that i just had to let it out and these ladies held the space for me to 
that I could feel those emotions and kind of get through them and see another side. And good news, he is back home with me in Canada. And, you know, mm -hmm. the whole process of waiting and just kind of <laughs> the anticipation of seeing each other again was just so good to have him back home. And it really made me treasure our relationship even more and the time that we get together even more. So now I have like this appreciation and this value around being together because I did have this season where there was so much uncertainty and like hopelessness around, are we even going to be together? Like, how are we going to get back into the same country? And now it's just like, okay, now I can focus on the next step and move forward um, and it really comes down to yeah having those people around you to hold space and know like okay actually I'm not the only person in the world who's separated from a loved one at this moment like yeah it feels so hard and so difficult and it feels like this is such a unique situation to us but really it's not there is other people experiencing this as well and just kind of relating it back to like, this is like part of the human experience that we chose being an international couple. And, you know, it's expected that we're gonna have times apart. Um, we've had times apart since the beginning of our relationship, not six months, but um, I think the thing that really was hard was knowing that it was supposed to be a six-week trip turned into a six-month trip and so this uncertainty around time there was like a big factor in playing into the hopelessness and now it's something that I recognize is a big part of what like my time boundaries around time is something that I have recognized and am able to start working through uh, because I've become aware of it. And yeah, that is kind of my season right now of feeling hopeless and just still trying to work our way through it. But yeah, I remember like there were so many times when you'd be like, okay, we've got a flight, like he's coming home on such and such a day, like I'm so excited. And then that flight would be canceled or yeah. it would become like postponed and then it would start all over again. Natasha, do you remember how many flights you had to cancel and reschedule? Oh man, it was so many. I think like six or seven maybe. And so it was kind of weird because he had to get permission to leave the country because of the pandemic. It's like, okay, we need to know that you're leaving for a valid reason. And so he had to apply for permission. And so he applied for permission based on like his first flight. And then he gets to the airport a month later when actually the flight finally, finally was taking off. And he, the agent is like, um, you were supposed to get this within like, 36 hours of travel like and we're like what like he's at the airport don't you freaking dare tell me that he's not going to be getting on that plane so I'm like sitting here in Canada like just visualizing him like walking onto the plane and just like praying that like he's gonna be on that plane he's on that plane <laughs> and I'm like, like um. yeah like hardcore oming about it <laughs> and I can't even imagine like how he was feeling in that moment like he called me like in a freaking panic and I'm like um okay what like instant feelings of hopeless like I'm like holy shit what can I do what can I do is just send all the positive energies into Sultan walking onto that airplane. <laughs> and eventually, because we explained the situation, how many times the plane has been canceled or delayed or whatever, they finally were like, okay, like, because we see that you did get it for your original travel date, we'll let you go. <laughs> and oh it was like, God. oh my gosh. 
So you were at the mercy of just somebody saying yes or no in that moment. Ugh. Damn. Gosh. Yeah. What a roller coaster too. I mean, (laughs) I feel like I'm like, which one's worse to be completely hopeless forever and feel depressed or like, I'm hopeful. Nope. It's not right. It's like, oh my gosh, that would be so awful. Yeah, so it definitely is the roller coaster of like feeling hope and losing hope and feeling it. And I think that it's just kind of the story of life, really. Just mine is compact into this one very specific eight month, nine month example. <laughs> uh, I loved what you were saying, Tash, about how um, you were able to see that like your situation is not just specific to you guys that there were so many people dealing with the same thing and like I yes exactly I remember when we were having these conversations with you going through whatever my own tough version of dealing with the global pandemic was and being like I cannot even imagine like adding on this additional pressure um But I think it is really important, especially when you are in those times, that if you can add that additional awareness of I'm not the only person in the world that has ever gone through this or is even going through this at this exact moment, like if you can let yourself feel that, I know it's like easier said than done. Um, It just adds that additional layer of like, I'm not alone in this. You know, it's not just me for, because it's also easy too in those moments to feel like, am I being punished for something? Like what, like that it's, you're, you're like, yeah, being punished (laughs) and you're not, it's just, like you said, it's just the human experience. So I thought that that was really. Like you guys know this, like saying like you're one in a million, Mm -hmm. right? Well, there's nearly 8 billion people on the planet. So really one in a million is not that special or not that unique. (laughs) That's like dumb and dumber. I'd say more like one in a million. So you're saying there's a chance. (laughs) Yes, I am. (laughs) That is so funny. Oh my God so funny so Tash from that or just like in general do you have anything specific any advice that you want to give for women our age or women going through what you went through yeah so I was thinking about this and I think the best piece of advice I can give in this like from my experience with this situation is just like patience and faith So like having faith in the end result and having um, a clear picture of what you want. Like I said, I was vibing so hard on visualizing, salting, walking onto that airplane. And then also like hugging him at the airport. By the way, we kind of broke COVID rules a little bit and hugged each other at the airport when he came home. But I was like, I don't care. I'm doing two weeks of quarantine with him, like, anyway. So I think the best piece of advice is just, like, have patience and have faith that if you really, really want something, have that end picture in mind and visualize it. Keep going towards it. And even if you don't know how to show up to go for that, to go for that picture, just keep visualizing it. It's okay if you have to lay in bed for a day and take a beat and just kind of take some time for yourself. But get up the next day, keep going. And, you know, the kind of faith that you have in your end goal, the end picture that you create is really going to allow you to have more patience it's going to allow you to be persistent in pursuing that. And it's just going to allow you to keep that positive energy around what you're going for. Um, so I guess my best piece of advice is just visualize what you want. I love it. I love it. And then I think the, the word that came to me 
is that you are extremely resilient that you can picture this over and over and over and keep believing in it over and like i'm believing for this nope okay it's not working right now okay i'm believing for this and just continue to to believe i think is shows how resilient you are yeah and like the end picture like also it changes maybe the way you see it it's still the concept is there and you know the steps to get there might be different and that's like the thing that you kind of have to re let go of is like the process which is so hard for me because i love just like organizing and structure and checking off the box but just to let go of that process and have that end goal that end visualization in mind is um yeah let go of the process visualize what you want and the universe will align it for you. Heck yeah. I have a, I have a follow-up personal question for our yeah. listeners. Okay, so Tash, so your wedding was supposed to be in January or February. Um, are you guys going to wait until COVID is over and redo a big ceremony? Are you getting married? Like, what's your plan now that you guys are reunited? Yeah, so our original wedding date... But actually, there's kind of a really big thing about our wedding and the plan to get married. So originally, we were going to do a destination wedding, and that was going to be um, 2019, kind of springish time. And then the hotel that we were dealing with, like, I don't know what happened, but it was like a big thing, and it didn't, it fell through. And so we're like, okay, let's do something local, like that was too much hassle dealing with that. Like, let's do something local where we can go to the hotel, we can talk to them in person. And so we set a new date for January 29th, um, which is our dating anniversary. And then, yeah, that, his dad got really sick and then we're like, okay, let's postpone it till March. Let's do March, the end of March. And then <laughs> the global pandemic, cute isolation, and <laughs> oh my gosh! Then now that he's home, we're discussing um, just eloping and having it be ourselves and our two best friends. And like, I mean, I've already had my wedding dress for like a year now, so. <laughs> I there's so let's go baby let's <laughs> yeah. do it I just love that like the message that I'm receiving on the outside of the situation is when you know you're with the one you know because if you were if you didn't have that gut feeling inside that like this is the person I feel like you could so read into like oh my gosh every time we've tried to get married like something getting in the way thank you freaking universe but it's like, no, when you know, you know, and it's just like, there are circumstances in the way and who cares? We're moving forward and we're getting through this. And I feel like every single person, every single entrepreneur, every business owner, everybody with a goal and an end picture in mind, it's like, you do not get to see the blocks as the universe getting in your way. Heck no. When you have a vision and you have a plan and you have a goal and it's an alignment, you get through the blocks regardless and you make that vision happen and you make your dreams come true and you get married anyway. Boom. Hell yeah. And I was like just thinking about it as you were saying that is I have actually always pictured our wedding. All I can picture about our wedding is standing there together saying vows to each other as at sunset, like watching the sunset go down, standing there together saying our vows. And that is the bubble of the picture I have. And so now that I'm thinking about it, I never had the picture of like the party and the celebration. <laughs> and now the universe is like, oh, you didn't picture that? No, cool. <laughs> <laughs> what we are going to do though is we will have a celebration when his family can travel to Canada and we'll, we will do that. Maybe we were thinking of a one year anniversary party. 
So having that where our families can come together and celebrate us. But now that I'm thinking, I'm like, yep, I have actually only ever envisioned us together saying I do. Thank you, universe. You are delivering my vision. <laughs> Yeah, and so I I have several people in my family who were supposed to be family and friends that were supposed to be getting married this year, and I think the thing that I am seeing from this is kind of just like what you were saying, Rach, and also like what is the importance of getting married and having a wedding? It is that moment, that moment where you're just standing there saying vows to one another. Um, so like my brother and future sister-in-law are supposed to be getting married in November, fingers crossed. We'll see what happens. Um, but they pretty much said like whether or not they have an actual wedding that day, they're getting married that day because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many people are there, if there's a dance floor, like none of the things, right? That stuff is extra and not important. And what is important is that moment and, you know, con con confessing your love. Is that the thing? Professing your love. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And to I totally wish partner. I kind of acknowledged that a little bit earlier in our engagement. Um, maybe we would have been married already. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we live and we learn, but I think that from what I'm hearing is so much of like the overarching theme from anybody that I've known this year that was supposed to get married that um that just COVID in general has really and not just even with marriage but just like connecting to the people that are important you know like it's not nothing else is really important other than family and I think we've really learned that a lot throughout um throughout this time of COVID Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you love if you love your partner, just go for it. Yeah. So yes. Jessa, I am so excited to ask you, like, what is a time in your life when you have felt hopeless? And guys, listeners, I have no idea what Jessa's gonna say. So I am like <laughs> <laughs> super excited to hear from you. Like, what was a time when you felt hopeless? And then how did you get through that hopeless moment in time? I was trying to think because I've had several, I've had several like very trying times and the time that I feel like has been the most um, rewarding, I guess, um, on the other side of it was when I was 24 I had just, well, let me back up. I'm like, how do I want to tell this story? So I started dating this guy when I was 20 years old and we had grown up literally right across the street from one another. Um, we went in carpool to high school every day and, and middle school, actually every single day for years. Um, our brothers were best friends. And for that entire time, like he was a year younger than me. I was too cool for him, you know, like just, he was my neighbor. Like it was never a thing um, until we both got out of high school and we started hanging out together and we like got together and started dating. Um, and six months in, he broke up with me out of the blue and I was devastated. I was completely heartbroken. Um, and fast forward to the next like three and a half years, we kept this like on again, off again relationship where I had this story in my head of like, this is the love of my life. He, I'm the girl next door, you know, like this is that story and we're meant to be together. And I needed that so much to be true because I have had a lot of issues with commitment and dating and relationships and just like accepting love and knowing what love is and accepting love of myself um, for a long time. And so I was trying so hard for three and a half years to force that relationship to happen. And it was just the most toxic relationship ever. Um, 
just literally we would be great one week and then two days later we would be screaming about how much we hated each other and you know four days later we'd make up or I would convince him that we're supposed to be it was like constant fighting constant battle and I'm sitting here on the other side just with every battle losing more and more and more of myself because everything that I have is going into this relationship and trying to keep this relationship afloat because at that time that was my life raft you know that was the only part of myself that I know that I knew to be like 100% true was this relationship was supposed to happen we're supposed to be together so after I don't know if I'm being honest I I probably knew within that first year that like I knew subconsciously that things weren't right, that it wasn't supposed to be this hard. And I always questioned whether or not I should have been in this relationship, but my conscious brain, the brain, the brain that needed my inner critic and my inner child and all of those things to like keep feeding the story was like, ha, no, I'm not listening to you. Like this is, <laughs> you know, like, I don't care what you have to say. I need to be in this relationship. So I knew for quite a while that it didn't feel right, but I refused to listen to myself, um, which, like I said, ingrained this lack of trust in myself, lack of believing in myself, and whatever self-esteem that I had at the beginning of that relationship just completely went into the toilet. So we get to year four, and you know, as I'm sure you can assume, I'm just emotionally exhausted. I'm sure that he is too, but that's really not the point of the story. Um, so uh, emotionally exhausted. And like I said, it was so back and forth for years that whenever we did break up, which was very often, there was never, there was always this thing that was like, yeah, well, give it two days. We'll be back together. You know, it was always that voice. Like, this isn't a real breakup. It's not going to really happen this way. Um, and finally we came to this moment in year four and I don't even remember. I mean, we thought about everything all the time. I don't even remember what the fight was about, but for some reason, I just knew at that moment for myself that this was it, that this was the time that I was finally going to separate myself from the situation, um, and remove myself from that cycle. And I wish, I wish I could understand it more or like explain it more than just like a knowing. Um, but that knowing was like, cool, this is the end. Um, we had kind of both, it had happened like every other breakup. Like we had both come to this realization or this thing and like saying we're breaking up. And for me, I was just like, cool, it's finally done. He wanted it to be done forever or like for a long time. So like it was good on his end, I guess. Um, but so for the next couple of months, you know, like really going through that major, major breakup, releasing the idea that this person was the love of my life and also starting to rebuild myself entirely. Um, it was just a really challenge. Like I had been going through a challenging time for four years anyway, but it was, a different kind of challenging because in that moment that I decided to step away, I also acknowledged my part in all of this because for those four years, I was convinced that he was the one that was just like, well, this isn't right. Like second guessing all the things and not taking, I wasn't taking any of the responsibility of forcing this thing that I knew was not right. And obviously he knew wasn't right. Um, so that was a, a tough pill to swallow. Um, so going through that, I think what really helped me come out the other end was one, that knowing, that finally listening to myself and knowing that I had that answer already for me. And also within that year um, was when I decided to pack up my life and move to LA. And having, finally choosing my future, the future that I always knew that I wanted, the future that I knew I would be so upset if I had gotten to 40 years old and never attempted, um, 
finally choosing that was a very, very big deal. And it was like, oh, I have control over my life. I, it's not like the control is not up to the whimsy of whether or not somebody else wants to be with me. It's entirely mine. And I also have a hand in everything that I do. I have a hand in what happened to me or I don't even know if it's like what happened to me, what I was a part of in those four years. Um, And so it was, it was definitely a couple of different things. Like I said, that knowing voice, the choosing to go to LA. I also had, I was living with my best friend at the time and it was awesome. Kind of like what you were saying. Well, both of you guys were saying about just having your group, like having your, your people to turn to. Um, I think that one of the things that is the hardest, which we kind of discussed when you're in that moment is feeling like this is only happening to you and feeling like nobody will understand and feeling like you can't reach out for help, but that's what your people are for. And if you don't have anybody actively in your life, then you go and find a therapist. You go to find somebody that you can talk to because like when you're in that cocoon, if you don't know that you're in the cocoon and you can't see anything around you, it's nice to be able to reach your hand out and be like, oh, somebody is there. I have somebody there to help me through this. So for that time, it was a couple of different uh, ways that that helped me through it. But I'm so super grateful because coming out of that, I learned so much about what I'm capable of in the sense that I was capable of keeping myself in that relationship and making myself miserable. And I was also capable of removing myself and telling myself that I was meant for better than that. I deserved better than that. I deserved to treat myself better than that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm so relating to everything that you're, that you're saying. I'm sure a lot of people can relate. I know for myself, man, my story is so similar to yours. I dated the boy down the street. Literally his parents live five houses away from my parents. We Mm -hmm. met in high school um, and we were neighbors and I was so attracted to that story of like, this is the boy next door. I am the girl next door. I, he checks some of the boxes on my like must have list. (laughs) So therefore (laughs) he's the one and like forcing this relationship when there was so many times where if I would have just listened to my intuition, if I would have just listened Mm -hmm. to my gut and be like, this doesn't feel right. But I was forcing it because I was like, I, we have to be together. We have to be together. This is my first boyfriend. This is my first love. This is my first everything versus that whisper inside. That's like, I don't think this is right. Like there were just so many times when he would, and I feel, (laughs) I do have like some, like, I'm like, Oh, Rachel, there were just times when he was trying to be funny or cute or whatever. And we just did not I would be like embarrassed instead of, oh, ha ha, you're so cute and funny. And then there were times when I was trying to be funny. I, I do this thing now with my husband and my husband totally gets it. I like pretend to be mad at him and I'm just like, well, whatever. And I'm totally kidding, right? I do that with my husband and he gets it and he laughs and he thinks it's hysterical. I did that with my first boyfriend and he always took it so personal and thought I was mad at him and it became a fight and we just didn't get each other. It just wasn't in alignment, you know, and you're just trying to force something that's like, just listen to yourself. This isn't working. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's so hard and sad to look back and think about like the pain that you put yourself through, you know, like, yes, that situation was not great. Yes, he absolutely did not treat me right when we were in the thing, but also I stayed. And not only did I stay, I fucking fought for it. You know, like I fought (laughs) tooth and nail for it. I wanted it so badly. And it was exactly like you were saying, Rage. It was all the story. I, I mean, I don't need to get personal, but like 
I definitely, by the time that things were over, had not been attracted to him for a very long time. You know, like I had just, I had fed into that story and I needed it to be true because I didn't have my own story yet. You know, by the time that he and I started dating, like I said, I had, I'd been through a lot that I needed that relationship to define me. And also I, like you said, I'm not the only person that's ever gone through that. And also like that happens so much with young girls specifically, you know, like no matter what they've been through that first relationship most of the time really is very defining of like yourself because that's kind of what we've been told that relationship it's like so society like we've been told that that relationship is supposed to define us and it's supposed to say something about us instead of just being like what it is which is trial and error always until you find the person that you're supposed to be with if if you do or decide that you don't want to like whatever that is um yeah I think there's there's so much unnecessary pressure on young girls um it really makes me nervous because I have a 16 year old sister who luckily hasn't really started dating yet I don't think but obviously it's coming and I'm like (laughs) just like so just worried I mean everybody has to go through their own thing but I'm like I don't ever want her heart to break the way that I broke my own heart in that situation. Absolutely. Well, one thing I will say for the generation that's coming up underneath us, they seem to me, and now I'm not living in that generation. So this is literally just a thought that I think that I see in them. They Mm -hmm. seem much more self-aware and empowered in my opinion. And I feel like our society has stepped into that. Our higher Mm -hmm. consciousness has stepped into that. Like, when I was in high school, the stories that were being fed to us in the media were constantly relationships somehow saving someone else, mm-hmm. whether that was the female, like kind of there, there was this guy that just hates women and hates relationships and isn't about them at all until he meets like the one that's going to change his life. Oh, yeah. Or the damsel in distress. It's like, a you know, she's never felt, never been loved in her life, doesn't accept herself until the one, the man comes along and shows her that she's worthy. And like, those were the messages. Hello, every Disney movie ever since the 1950s until like, what, Frozen 2? Yeah, well, and romantic (laughs) comedies. Like, all the ones that I grew up loving were very much like the other, one person saves the other person. And that's what I grew up on was those romantic. That's what I love to sit and watch. Yeah, no wonder. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And now I feel like our culture, I know maybe this is wishful thinking, but I feel like we've stepped into that higher consciousness of like, no, I'm responsible for myself. And if someone comes Mm -hmm. alongside me, great. And if not, okay, like this is my journey. And if my journey happens to come in sync with the right person, great. If not, I'll be okay. I do feel like that's kind of a new wisdom that I did not see in my younger years. Totally. So I'm like, I hear that a lot in your story and knowing what we talked about kind of last episode and kind of putting the pieces together. Like this was a time when you kind of started diving into that personal development kind of world right so what did you do to kind of instill that into yourself that like I can take responsibility for my part in this and like I don't deserve to be in this kind of pain and put myself through this kind of pain well the answer is not (laughs) universally helpful I don't think unfortunately because I think it really was that moment of knowing and I guess it's helpful um I'll just I'll just say it my piece of advice for women anybody really but especially women is that the answers are already inside of you and so that moment that I just knew that the relationship was over and simultaneously knew that I had been doing this to myself and that I had control it was a knowing um, so 
though it seemingly came out of nowhere, now that I know better, I knew it was just my intuition. Um, and maybe it was that moment of like, I had had pressure and friction, all these things for so long that finally my intuition was like, girl, can you listen to me, please? You know, like, can you please just try it my way and see if you're happy afterward? Um, so yeah, like I said, it was just that moment. And if there's one thing that I have learned since then and since diving into self-discovery and all the things is just like, everything is within you. Um, and I have had to relearn that lesson so many times. It's ridiculous. May have to learn it more times in regards to like different situations until I just get it through my head. And finally, like my conscious brain knows for sure. Cause my subconscious does, that's my, that's my intuition, right? That's mm -hmm. the voice that's being like, yeah, hello. Thank you. That's what I've been saying this whole time. And my conscious brain is just like, da, 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 da. I don't want to listen to you at all. Um, so yeah, hopefully I don't need to learn it too many more times, but that, that's the thing that I always come back to. It's the thing that I always come back to is that it, whatever is right for me is already knowledge inside me. It's not, not something that I need to go seeking out um it's already here boom mic drop mic drop boom uh, I don't I just, drop this. <laughs> it's so good that's so good and it's something that we the three of us talk about a lot and you know if you're listening for the first time the three of us really believe that there are different kind of voices going on in your head not that you're crazy everybody has these different voices <laughs> <laughs> Everybody you have your intuition which is usually a soft-spoken kind voice unless it needs to get loud it will it will always be kind it will not necessarily be gentle as Jess was just <laughs> telling us um that's your intuition you you might also have your ego you might also have your inner child and you might also have your inner critic. And let me tell you, if your inner critic, your ego and your inner child are running the show in your life, you probably are not as happy as you could be. It's so we kind of teach people to turn down the volume of their inner critic, turn down the volume of their ego, listen to that inner child of like, what do you need? Okay, let's, I will give you that. Let's turn that down now and let the intuition lead us on the right path totally yeah and oh, that's well just said. where like happiness is found alignment is found your authenticity is found like anything good <laughs> pretty much is yeah. found in that place yeah boom awesome so awesome I feel like this is a really good place for us to wrap and then come back next week with more deliciousness of getting to know the coaches. What do yeah, you guys so believe? all I was going to say is like this, put, thinking about all three of our pieces of advice together. So Rachel, like your advice was really like surround yourself with that support system that will give you the space to like be vulnerable and share and experience what you're experiencing. And then my piece of advice is like visualize what you want. And then Jessa, like already knowing like what is inside of you, you already have the answers. Like it is within you to shine. Um, all this is just like, so it harmonizes so well together is like, you do need each piece of this. You need that community support. You need to know where you're going and you also need to believe that it's possible. You have the capabilities within yourself to do it and believe in yourself, trust that it's gonna happen. And we are here with you on this journey as you learn and grow and transform. This community is here for you and we are so excited. The Babes of Hope will be back next week 
with another episode. And so stay tuned for that. And we will talk to you then. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Babes with Hope. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, or if you're looking to get involved in one of our coaching programs, you can reach us directly at babeswithhope.thinkific.com. That's babeswithhope.thinkific.com. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week.